welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. If you've got your Bibles with you, we are going to be in Revelation chapter 21. This has probably been the easiest sermon series for you to find where we're at. We started in the first couple of pages, and now we're in the last few pages of your Bible at the very end. Well, 10 years ago, I went on a blind date with a beautiful girl, and Jessica hates it when I talk about her, because then I met Jessica. No, I'm kidding. It was Jessica. It was Jessica. Went on a blind date with Jessica. Miss Glenda set us up. Miss Glenda that goes here, Glenda James, set us up, and we went on a blind date. Now, this was different than most first dates I'd been on. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a very awkward person around new people. And if you've ever felt that, please understand that's me. It has nothing to do with you. But with Jessica, it was different. When I, when I went on this date with her, I was instantly comfortable with her. There was something about her that just made me know that there was something different about her. And after a while, we began to talk on the phone every night and we continued to date. And as we dated, we had this constant desire to be together. And so we would meet two or three times a week. She lived in Cersei and I lived in Batesville and we would go to where the other one was, not because there was anything there that we wanted, we just wanted to be together. I used to tell people my truck is broke. Every time I get in it, it just drives itself to Cersei and that was pretty much true. I wanted to be where she was, not to do anything special, not even to go eat. I just wanted to be where she was no matter where she was at. And after what I would call the perfect amount of dating, and she would call it two years too long, I finally proposed to her and we got married on this stage. I stood in this very spot right here and said, I do to her. And as we got married, I realized that I didn't just get married to someone. There was a new existence to my life. It was a completely new life. I used to be alone and now she's, she's always with me. She's always there. I had a bad dream last night and I rolled over and she's in the bed next to me. I just put my hand on her hand just to know that we were together. Now in our brokenness, and sometimes I even joke about this, in our brokenness as people, you put two sinners in the same house household, sometimes it causes conflict. It's kind of like going to kindergarten for the first time. Mom and dad think I'm precious and now I have to learn how to share and follow rules and marriage is that way. But the key aspect of being married is I get to be with the person I love forever and ever until we both die, hopefully at the exact same time. Did you know that when the Bible talks about our relationship with God, it almost always references marriage? Not, not like the weird honeymoon aspect of it, but the, the reason God references marriage so much in, in the Bible when he talks about our relationship with him is because our relationship with him is about us being present with him, about the availability of God to us and our availability the way we make ourselves available to him. That, that's what this Bible ultimately comes down to is God's presence with us and his pres- or in our presence with him. We're coming towards the end of a series called Bookends where we've been looking at basically the beginning of the story of the Bible and how the Bible ends. We started in Genesis 1 through 3 and we introduced ourselves through the scripture to God, his creation, man, and the fall of man into sin. And then we've been in Revelation the past couple weeks. We started last week with Revelation chapter 20 where Jesus, the King of Kings, returns. He sits on a great white throne and he casts into the lake of fire sin, death, Hades, Satan, and all of those who reject him. The only ones who escape are those of us who are saved whose names are written in the book of life. That's where we're picking up this morning in chapter 21. What happens now that God has gotten rid of all of the brokenness of the world? If you've got your Bibles with you, read with me verses 1 through 4. 
Now I, this is John speaking, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and, he shall, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And, the shall, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to that. Not very long after Jessica and I got married, we were still driving like our, our kid vehicles and I had this, this truck and this truck had a weird problem. It had a sensor issue in the motor, specifically where the throttle was. And what would happen is if you came to a stoplight and you let the truck go down to an idle, the truck couldn't figure out how much gas it was supposed to be giving the motor. So you'd be sitting in the stoplight and the truck by itself without me touching it would be going, and I had an exhaust on it. So every kid in Batesville thought I was trying to race them. And then that would go really bad because after about four or five revs the truck would die and so not very long after we got married we decided we needed some new vehicles and I searched for a long time and I finally found the truck that I wanted the one that I have now the only problem is it was in Little Rock and it was raining and I was not a hundred percent sure that on this particular rainy day that my truck was going to make it to Little Rock and so we took off to Little Rock in my truck and every time we stopped and it would die and I was praying all the way there God I just need 30 more miles please God get me there so I can trade this truck in and when we got there we gave them the old truck and I was like see you guys and I took off in the new truck and it was incredibly new to me everything about this this new vehicle or new to me it was used new vehicle was awesome it had it had four-wheel drive which my old truck didn't have it had heated seats which I thought was really cool most of all it didn't die when it rained and I stopped at a stoplight what I got was basically something new something recreated a recreated version of what I used to have I started over I got rid of the broken and I began again listen in Revelation chapter 1 what God is telling us he says I'm going to get rid of what is broken in the world and I'm going to start over with a new and perfect creation that is the entire purpose of Revelation chapter 21 is to give us hope in what God is doing and what he is creating when he recreates an unblemished creation your first take home truth this morning number one is Jesus will cast away all that is broken and recreate a perfect world Jesus will cast away all that is broken and recreate a perfect world. And we see a lot of similarities with what God started with in Genesis 1 and 2. He created this earth that was perfect in every way. He put Adam and Eve here who were perfect in every way. Existence was perfect, but when we brought sin into the world, creation was broken. What God is now saying, he says, I'm going to get rid of sin. I'm going to get rid of the effects of sin. I'm going to get rid of it all. And I'm going to start over with what I had at first. In Revelation chapter 21, you will see a key word several times. And that key word is new. There is a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. This is not new to me like a used truck that I picked up down in Little Rock. This, this word here, new, means freshness or recreation. It, it's the new that we talk about when a car has a new car smell. That it is completely uh, new and remade in every way. Now, why does God remake this? Because the old earth, the earth that we're standing on now, has passed away listen everything that you see everything you touch this church building these clothes that we're wearing one day they're all going away God's getting rid of all of it why because it is tainted by sin 
If you remember in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam sinned, let me tell you all a secret. I put my hand in my pocket when I preach, and every time I look at myself on YouTube, I'm always doing this. So I safety pinned my pocket shut this morning. So that's what I'm doing up here. I'm distracted, sorry. The old earth has passed away. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only does it affect who we are, not only does it affect our nature, it affects all of creation. All of creation is altered. God told Adam, for your sake, the ground is cursed because of your sin. So God takes away, when he takes away sin, he's not just taking away sin out of us. He's not just getting rid of the people who rejected him. God is starting fresh. Anything that is tainted or affected by sin is going away. The only thing that will survive this is mankind, you and me, and only those of us who have been redeemed by Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. And then God will recreate a pure earth, which will be creation going forward. Now, what I want to focus on here is in this creation, there is a new Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, if you, if you spend any time in church or any time in history, Jerusalem is the epicenter of basically everything that happens in the world on a spiritual level. Uh, modern day, we see Jerusalem is, is very significant. It is the capital of Israel. It is the holy city. There is a war going on at this very moment over who will control Jerusalem and the holy sites within it. Will it be the Jewish people or will it be the Palestinians who also see it as a holy site? If you look at historically, this is the place where the death and resurrection of Jesus has happened. This is where the kings of Israel have lived. This is where the temple sat. And in Revelation, the book of Revelation, Jerusalem, the modern Jerusalem, is the center of the universe where most major events happen. It is where Christ rules for a thousand years during the millennial reign. And because Jerusalem modern day is part of the old creation, it is wiped away. But God creates a new Jerusalem, a, a place where he will rule forever. And this is described physically in verses 9 through 21. That's your homework today. We don't have time to read all of those verses. But here in short is what it tells us. It tells us that this new Jerusalem is 14. 1,400 miles square, 1,400 miles wide, tall, and deep. It has 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. It is beautiful. It's made of streets of gold. The walls, were, walls are, are of jasper. The gates are made of pearl. The foundations are made of 12 different types of precious jewels. And it is the dwelling place of God. When you often say the word heaven, when we say one day I'm going to be in heaven with my Savior, what you're often describing is New Jerusalem. This is the place that will exist into eternity future with God there. So let's focus on what the Bible tells us about New Jerusalem and, and the importance of it. So your second take-home truth, New Jerusalem is a point A, it is a dwelling place of Jesus. In verses 3 or 4, John sees New Jerusalem coming out of the sky, coming out of the heaven, and he says, the tabernacle of God is here. Now that word tabernacle, if you spend some time in Sunday school, is a word that you may be familiar with from the book of Exodus. What the tabernacle was, was God's dwelling place among his people. It was like a mobile tent temple that God lived in. So everywhere the Israelites would go, they would set up this tent, and in the middle of this tent was a place called the Holy of Holies, and that is where God would dwell among his people, separated from them within the tabernacle, but yet still with them where they are at. Later, the, the tabernacle is adapted into the temple, which was God's dwelling place among his people when they entered the promised land in Jerusalem. In, in, um, in the new Jerusalem, it says that his tabernacle is there. Now, that's interesting because you're like, why is a tent in eternity? But read with me. This is verse 22, if you can find it really quick. 
John in the same chapter, he says, but I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now, that's interesting that John says, I see a tabernacle, but then he immediately says, I don't see a temple within the New Jerusalem. Why is he saying that? Well, if you read verse 3 very carefully, you see that it refers to the tabernacle not as an it, but it refers to the tabernacle as a he. What, what he is saying here is, I see in this New Jerusalem, I see Jesus Christ. The tabernacle represented God's presence with his people. The tabernacle here, Jesus, represents God's presence with his people. At Christmas time, when we begin to decorate, and all of our decorations say Emmanuel, what Emmanuel means is God with us. Jesus was God, and he dwelt on earth with us. So John is saying this, is I see Jesus, I see God with us, the tabernacle, the symbol of him being with us in this place. Now that is important because the New Jerusalem has another point. Point B is New Jerusalem is a dwelling place of God's people. This is a dwelling place of God's people. Jesus said before he leave, he said, behold, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. In my father's house are many what? Many mansions. So where Jesus is in this New Jerusalem, we will be as well. What John is seeing here is the visible fulfillment of that promise, a place where God dwells and a place where we dwell for eternity. Now listen to me carefully. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying because this is important. There is a huge misconception sometimes about New Jerusalem or heaven among Christians. And I fear that sometimes we border on idolatry when we talk about heaven. Remember, idolatry is when we worship the creation, not the creator. New Jerusalem is a part of God's new creation. It's going to be a wonderful place. I'm going. You can go with me. But the point is not the creation. The point is he who dwells within the creation, he who he will be with. So we have to be careful when, when we evangelize. What we tend to do is we tend to say, hey, you got a choice. You're a sinner. You can go to heaven, which is really good, or you can go to hell, which is really bad. And it's kind of created in us this sense that heaven is the goal. Heaven is not the goal. Heaven is a side effect of the goal, which is to be in the presence of God. Some of you are beach people. Any beach people in here? few of us yeah the beach is nice and I'm always jealous we don't get to go very often so when you guys come back from the beach I'm always like how was the beach and you know what people tell me Brian it was beautiful oh Brian it was awesome we get to sit on the beach and watch the sun go down and right as the sun was going down dolphins jumped it looked like a painting I got to smell the salt in the air the food ooh, the food was good I had mahi-mahi that just that morning had been in the ocean and they caught it and sold it straight to the restaurant that fixed it to me. There's an ice cream place that you could go to and it was on the beach right after, right after dark and you could walk down the beach eating ice cream. The beach was awesome. You know what nobody ever tells me? We had the most amazing couch. Brian, it was the most beautiful shade of brown you've ever seen. I think it was bigger than a normal couch. Honey, how big was it? Wasn't it bigger than, yeah, it was like eight inches bigger than a normal couch. They had it situated in our condo in the exact right place. Why does nobody ever say that? Because we don't go to the beach for the couch. We go to the beach to experience the culture around the beach. The couch is a side effect. It's wonderful. We sit on it a lot, but nobody cares about the couch. Listen, heaven is the couch of being in the presence of God. It is the place where we are in his presence. It is not the purpose of going to. 
See, we go to heaven to be in his presence, to be with him. The most important part of eternity is not where we will dwell, but who we will dwell with. Is it still up here? Yeah. Points A and B. Look at this. This new Jerusalem is the dwelling place of Jesus. It is also the dwelling place of God's people. That's me. I hope that's you. We will be together and we will experience his presence. Listen what God's doing. This is just like Genesis chapter 2. God creates everything. He creates Adam out of the dust of the ground. He breathes life into him. And Adam and God are like this. Adam's sitting on God's lap while God's like bringing animals to him. He's like, name this one, Adam. When Adam is lonely, God says, let me fix that. And he creates Eve and he puts them together. He's like, you guys have fun. I made you for each other. God walks in the garden. He's constantly accessible to them at all times. And it is only when we sin that God can no longer be with them. But one day God undoes all of the sin and we go back to the original creation. We're in his presence. We will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is a restoration of our relationship with him. Salvation is not a destination. Salvation is, is me and God back the way that it was supposed to be before I broke it, before I broke the relationship with our sin. We will dwell with him forever. So what we really are choosing when we talk about salvation, we are either choosing to reject God or, or to move into a relationship with him. I'm, I'm going to say this and I don't want to scare you, but if your concept of salvation includes heaven and no relationship with, with Jesus, you are probably not saved because we're not going for the place. We're going for the being who gives us the place and to be with him. Now, the blessing of, of this place is it's not just going to be me and you and those of us sitting in this church. The blessing of this place is that our brothers and sisters across the world will be there with us, with Jesus. Your next take-home truth, point C, is the New Jerusalem is a place full of the nations. Read with me verses 22 through 27, still in chapter 21 here. John, looking into the New Jerusalem, he says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall no more be shut at all by any day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter in it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who is here? It is all of those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. All nations will be here. Listen, God does not care about nationality or ethnicity. That's why he calls us, go to the nations. It is my calling to take the gospel to all nations. That's what we come here to do. We want all people of all ethnicities to be saved. Those, those gentlemen that we saw sing that, that song earlier, they're going to be your noisy neighbors in heaven. Oh, they're singing and want to key in again. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to sing with them and then we're going to invite them over. It's like, hey, I know some songs too. And they're going to come sing with us. We will be there together because one thing, one thing will bind us together and that is that Jesus Christ is our Savior and that is all that matters in eternity. That is the only thing. See, there's only two categories in God's eyes. There are those that belong to him and those that reject him. And so this new Jerusalem is a place for me and you. 
It is a place, listen carefully, I don't want you to get confused. It is a place for people who are Muslim and Hindu. It is a place for the Wantakia of Papua New Guinea. It is a place for the drug dealer in Mexico, the witch doctor in Africa, the sun worshippers in, in South America, the murderers and adulterers, all those who he had died for, all those who believe him. There is only one common strand, is that each of us will walk away from our old self in accepting his salvation. And all of that is washed away. There will be every category that I listed and thousands more of people who don't deserve there that will be in heaven for one reason and one reason only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us and because he called us and we accept those and we experience salvation and in his presence. And because we are there and because Jesus is there, your next point, point D on your take-home truth, is the new Jerusalem is a place of goodness, peace, and joy. See, this is an aspect of God's character. We will live in and walk in his glory. Listen to what the Bible said. It said, listen, in this new Jerusalem, there is no sun and moon. There's no need for it. God's goodness and his glory will shine so bright, it will illuminate every corner of this new Jerusalem. And we will walk every day in it. You know, back to the beach. You know when you go to the beach or you go outside in the summertime and you can just feel the sun on you? You know how good it feels? Not, not the death sun that we had like a month ago. You know, the good sun like in spring. That's what it's going to be like to walk in the glory of God for all of eternity. It's just going to surround us and we're going to walk in his goodness and all of the aspects of his character are just going to flow out of him into this place. Both verses 4 and verses 27 say that we will walk in his glory and this is what that looks like. The Bible, he says, the Bible says, and he will wipe away every tear. I love that. You know what we hear a lot of times? We hear there will be no more tears in heaven, which is true. But it's so much deeper and more intimate than that. God gets dirty. God, God takes it upon himself to say every tear, every sadness, every hurt, it will be wiped away. And God is going to do that. All of the effects of the brokenness of sin will no longer exist. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, nothing. We will live in perfection forever with the author of perfection, our God, because we walk in his glory. That's why we want to be there. Heaven by itself is just a fancy hotel with nobody else there. But because God the Father, because Jesus is there, and because their glory shines, it is a place of eternal happiness. It's a place of eternal joy. It's going to be a place of eternal smile. Some of you are going to have to work on those cheek muscles because it's going to be like, you know, you've spent all this time frowning and now you're going to be happy all the time. It's going to be wonderful. And the Bible gives us this picture because you and I, we need hope. I'm sick of this world. It got worse since the last time I said that last week. I'm sick of people hurting. I'm sick of people crying. I'm sick of war. And God gives us this promise in his scripture. One day... You will be with me, and I'm going to make it all go away. And in that moment, everything we endure, everything we endure will be worth it. If you go back into this, when, when we look at this, what is the point of this new Jerusalem? We have this bad tendency to think that everything about this Bible is written about us. I get to go to New Jerusalem. I get to be with Jesus. But let's be clear. I'm not the hero of this story. You're not the hero of the story. Really, this has nothing to do with you. It has to do with a good and a great God who chooses to bring you with him because of his love for you so much. See, all of heaven, all of heaven 
will revolve around the glory of God. Let's go backwards just a little bit, back in chapter 21, still in chapter, chapter 21, but read with me verses 5 through 8. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Your third take-home truth, number three, is Jesus is the central focus of eternity. Jesus is the central focus of eternity. When we get there, what we will do is we will worship him. We will not think about us. We will think about how great he is and we will live in happiness because of that forever and ever and ever. And so John here sees Jesus sitting on a throne and Jesus begins to speak. And what Jesus does is he gives us his identity. He tells us who he is and what he is doing. And here's what he says. I am all encompassing. He uses the example of alpha and omega. That is the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet. He is saying, I am the A through Z. Understand, I am the big deal. It begins and ends with me. I'm in charge and my glory is important. And in light of that, he gives us a challenge. In light of who he is, he gives us a challenge. Because he is the king of kings and lord of lords, because heaven revolves around him, he says, you get a choice. You can serve me or you can reject me. The, the choice is yours. But understand what the consequences, both positive and negative, each one are. If you choose to serve me, he goes down through a list. He goes down through a list of what will happen. Number one, he says... I'm going to adopt you. I will be your God. He doesn't say you'll be my slave. He says you will be my son. If you choose to serve him, your existence will be to walk in the riches of his goodness and glory forever and ever and ever. It doesn't matter what you've done in this life. God will wipe it away. And he says this, if you choose me, I will give you freely the living water. The living water in the Bible is mentioned three times that I can think of off the top of my head, two of which are in Revelation. But there's this, this story in John chapter 4 where Jesus is, is waiting at a well and this woman comes up to him and she's an outcast from society. She comes to the well in the middle of the day because none of the other women would be around her so she comes by herself. And Jesus has this conversation with her. He says, hey, would you give me something to drink? And she kind of smart Alex back to him. And, and Jesus is like, well, you know, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And she said, that's dumb. You don't even have anything to get water out of the well. He says, no, I will give you the living water. She says, oh, living water. And then he begins to tell her who she was. She said, he said, call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and you're living with someone now who's not your husband. And she looks at him and she says, you're somebody special. And he says, that's right. I am the one who can give the living water. I am the one who can give eternal life. And that story is so important because what it shows us is that God pursues the people that you and I would very likely walk past. God pursues the people that you and I gossip about. Did you hear what they're doing? God pursues the people that we say are beyond saving. And I got news for you. In this new Jerusalem, she's going to be there. And she's going to be very, very annoying. 
You know why? Because it says when she figured out who Jesus was, she went off to her city and would not hush about who she had met. She said, let me tell you about this man. He is the Messiah. He told me everything he ever did. And we're going to see her in heaven. She's going to run up to us. Isn't Jesus wonderful? It's like 2,000 years ago. I was at a well. He came to me. And we're going to, we read it in the, we read the book. It's like, oh, the real story is better. And she's just going to keep going because she's going to be so excited to praise and worship Jesus. I hope I'm that annoying. I hope I'm that annoying. Let me tell you about this Jesus. He found me in Batesville, Arkansas. You know where Batesville, Arkansas is? In the grand scheme of the world, it's in the armpit of the world. I'm kidding. I love it here. But it's, it's not like nobody comes here. But God found me, and he found you, and he loves us. And here's what he says. He says, I'm offering all men, all women, the living water. I'm offering eternal life. Nothing that we have to do. Nothing that we have to, to make him to make him proud of us for. We don't have to make him happy. We don't have to earn it. He just says, I'm giving it to you. All you have to do is receive it. Do you accept me? Do you serve me? Or do you reject me? And he goes on. He goes on to talk about those that reject him. He says, if you continue to live in sin, sin is your identity. And if you reject God's presence in your life while you live here, why would he force his presence on you in eternity? He says, for those who continue to live in their sin, those who reject him, those who serve other gods, those who serve themselves, those, those who serve sin, so they'll have their wish. They'll be separated from me forever in the lake of fire. Your next take on truth number four is choose Jesus or choose the consequences of rejecting Jesus. I want to be very, 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 very clear. There is no middle ground. There's no reject Jesus, but go to church and it'll be okay. There's no pretend to be a good person in front of others and maybe you'll get into heaven. You choose him or you reject him. And you get the benefits of choosing him or the consequences of rejecting him based on your decision. Chapter 20 that we looked at last week focused on the eternal state of those rejected him. This week, this week focuses in 21, the eternal state of those that accepted him. I ask us again, which one are you? If our musicians want to come up here, which one are you? Are you those who are written in the book of life who will get to walk into eternity with him here? Are you one who has rejected him? Are you one who has moved away from him? Go ahead, guys. See, the only threshold is that Jesus did the work and we choose to accept it. That's the only difference between me and any other person in the world. And today you can leave here one of two ways. You can leave here hearing this and have hope. One day when I die, one day when this world is over, I get to be in his presence and I will celebrate and I will rejoice forever and ever and ever. But you may be here today and you can say definitely that that is not what you're hoping for. Because you know when you stand before Jesus, you won't see him as the one whose presence you want to be in. You'll see him as a righteous judge. I've got great news. Your eternity can change today. It's that simple. You make a choice to receive him and receive his salvation. This is our reflection time. I ask you every week, please don't leave here the same way that you walked in. And maybe today what you need to do is you need to just focus on that hope and worship Jesus a little bit more. But you may be here and you may be needing that hope. I'm standing here and I'm waiting on you. Come talk to me. Come receive Jesus as your Savior. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for joining us this week at Ramsey Heights. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, feel free to share it with others. 
If we can help you begin to follow Jesus or grow in your relationship with Him, join us on Sundays or connect with us on social media or our website, RamseyHeightsFamily.online.